All-Ireland final in 2018. Watched it in Cook Park and I thought I was going to throw up. Like, it just, it was a horrible feeling. You wanted to win, but you just felt like, oh my God, if, if they do win, they haven't been there. Like, is it worth it being over here? Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Right, I'm delighted to say Jarlath Burns is with us in the studio to talk to us about his run to become the next GAA president. Um, it, it's a, is it electronic voting? Is it as brutal as that? So it's like a numbers, there's no, there's no tally man, there's no hours and hours to make do or, or to no, come to there's, terms. There's tally man. The tally man are the provincial secretaries. Right. Uh, but everybody just votes on paper. Right, okay, so it is One, paper. One, two, three, it is. Yeah, okay, yeah. grant. So there's at least a little bit of a moment where you get to find out whether or not you've been successful or not. Because the last time, again, I, I was just saying off air there, I was listening to your interview on the GA Social with the lads. Um, the the first count, you were ahead. The second count, you were uh, level. And the, yeah, on yeah. the third count... That's you didn't. Right, yeah. You didn't get it. That was one of the most agonising hours of my life because what happened was they did the first count, and then they said we're going to have a few motions now. So they went through two or three motions, and uh, I was just sitting there, you know, my, my world is swirling around me, wondering, and while all of this was going on, all this normality going on in the in the background, you uh, uh, debating motions, and then the second count came out, and. It was very, if, if there's such a thing as a nail biting count, it was a very nail biting count. And the second one, I think it was level with Larry McCarthy. And then in the third one on the, on the transfers, then Larry beat me. I think, um, I think all, all counts are nail biting. We're, we're both political nerds here, so we definitely would be interested in that. I think, um, you've got a very clear manifesto and we'll get to that in a minute because, you know, you said the same things consistently over a long period of time. The one thing that I'm just not sure of is why do you want to do it? Because so, like, it's such a, a thankless task in many ways. And and even the role, we can talk about that in a minute, but like to, to come back from that, I know I've heard you talk about resilience before, but it's obviously not just something that y- you want to do. It's something you clearly believe in. Yeah, well, it's, it's a wee bit like people would ask me the same questions. Why would you want to become chairman of your club? I mean, I, in 2010, I became chairman of my club. And I mean, that's a very challenging task as well, because essentially, particularly in the north, you are the leader of that community and you're making big decisions that impact on people because the GA is not just the games that you play. You really are in charge of a community. And uh, it is very challenging, but I enjoy that challenge and I enjoy leading. Same thing when I became principal of the school. A lot of people would say, you know, biggest school in the north, 1,700 pupils, 170 staff altogether. Why would you want to put yourself through that? But I just think of this innate desire to lead and I, I enjoy leading. I enjoy that challenge. It gives me a great buzz. But to lead the GA is something that I've always thought about and it's something that has always been talked about around me. Uh, whenever I finished playing in 1999, I was really propelled into leadership straight away by becoming the first chair of the Players Committee. The GPA had just been formed. Sean McCaig came to my house. He was the, the, the president-elect at that time and he said, I want you to do a very, very important job for me. And I thought a long time about it because I had just intended at that stage going into coaching in my club. But that really took over my life for three years, uh, three years straight into Central Council. Getting on to Central Council is something that a lot of people build up to. But suddenly I was a young man looking around me, right in the heart of the government of the GAA. And that three years taught me an awful lot. It was very tumultuous because at that time there was uh, there was quite a lot of debate going on about, about the amateur status and about player welfare and all very of that. Militant. People forget about it. We, we were literally just coming on air in, in 2002 and um, there was an organisation called Of One Belief which was set up to try and spoil the very existence of the GPA and even they were unhappy with what the GAA were doing and you were kind of at the, at the forefront of that. So I think people have forgotten just how militant that whole period was. Yeah, well, the GPA was on one side and 
of one belief was in the other side and uh, they didn't neither of them like me because I was right in the middle and what I was saying to both of them was we are all GA people let's try and achieve this change organically within the organisation without the need to set up separate organisations one way or the other and I, I think where we are now is where we are inevitably going to come one way or the other because the players committee did achieve quite a lot one of the things that I found when I went on to Central Council at the start was cent- if you were in Central Council you get 50 cents a mile or 50p a mile as it was then. But around the country, it was just dependent on what the county treasurer or the county board could afford. So some, some players were getting 15p a mile, others were getting 20p a mile. And I was saying, well, if 50p a mile is good enough for central council, why is it not good enough for players? So I, 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 that was the first big change that we got, uh, uh, just 50p a mile for every single player throughout Ireland. And it was a real great achievement. And then we moved on to things like what entitlements all players were, were, could, could get in terms of boots, gloves, hurley sticks, all, all of that. And if you look back, we did achieve quite a lot. And we did create a template out of which arose later agreements between the GPA then and, and the GA. You bring up the mileage. Uh, you're from Armagh. There are my players out this week saying that they haven't got paid. Uh, I think some, some some stuff has happened since they had to go public with it. But we still aren't at a point where everything is fixed when it comes to that, are we? Well, that's not actually Armagh. It was an Armagh player brought it out. But remember, GA expenses are given out centrally now, Ger. So it's, it, Aidan Nugent was speaking probably on behalf of all of the players because none of the players throughout Ireland had received expenses. Now, at this stage, it would be very timely for me to say, isn't that terrible? Because I'm not involved in any of the committees in Croke Park and they should be doing this and, and I'm going to change all that. But the reality, like a lot of things in the GA, is much more mundane. Uh, what happened was, in order for that to be given out centrally, every single player has to give in their account details, their short code, their back, their IBAN. You imagine getting that from, what, maybe five, a thousand county players and think of how disorganised they are. I have one in my house, uh, Jarley Oak. I doubt if his details were in, if I know how he runs his life. And uh, that was the problem. I, I'm the chair of the GA um, Planning and Infrastructure Committee, uh, Club Planning, and we discussed it actually last night and they were saying that that uh, 90% of that difficulty was that the, the players charter only come out in, in November it had to be signed by each player in December before any of this could be done and then all of that admin had to be put, put in place so the, you were asking to do a lot in a very short time but the, it, it's actually a portal uh, and it's up and running now and all of that so everybody's living happily ever after I, ideally that, that, that cheating problem but the system and the infrastructure is correct and that's going to be fixed it is it used to be Ger that you would when I played you would write out your mileage every month and hand it in and the county treasurer would take a look at it and think oh, I don't think you went on that reddance tonight or put it, and uh, maybe a month later you would get it the way it works now you put it all into a portal it actually the spreadsheet then goes to the usually the, the liaison officer uh, he looks at it to see if it's commensurate with what you say you had done and then it goes in. It's actually, there's quite a lot of checks on it before the player actually gets the money. You used a, an important phrase about um, um, the uh, Central Council uh, as the government of the GEA. I'm always a little bit wary of the power that the president and the government actually seems to wield because we're, we're told there's a tension between the the administrative arm and Central Council, and I don't know if it exists or not. Do you honestly believe that as the president, you'll be able to shape the future of the organisation and carry along with it the executive who will actually carry out the the 
the vision that you have as president? Well, one of the things that I would always find, and this is the second time I've gone around every county, I've travelled every county in Ireland, apart from the ones in the north who nominated me and said, don't be coming up to us, we've nominated you, spend your time going around the other counties. There is always this difficulty where members of Central Council feel that they're, at the moment, they're just a rubber stamping exercise because the GAM Management Committee meet the night before the Central Council meeting. They go through the agenda, they make a lot of decisions themselves, and then they bring it in really for further discussion. But if you already have had the Management Committee go through it, you have a lot of people in the Central Council room who have a corporate responsibility to go with what they voted on last night. And it's difficult then to demur from some of the decisions which have been made. That sometimes creates uh, a little bit of frustration in Central Council. And, you know, it is a model that works throughout the GA. In every county in the GA, we have the county board, which is representative of every club, and then you have the county executive. And the county executive make a lot of the day-to-day operational decisions, and the county board meets once a month, you know, to discuss them and to ratify them. Uh, the difficulty I feel at the moment it is is that I've done two stints in Central Council. I did one in the early 2000s as players' rep. I did one to it was 2013 for five years as the Armagh representative of Central Council. I found it had changed quite a lot because the five-year rule has changed a lot. It's changing now all the time. Back then, you had out-and-out Central Council men in 2001 with the result that Central Council, although it's a representative from every county, it should be their charged with the corporate governance of the GA. So the Central Council representative should be Croke Park's man in the county rather than the county's man in Croke Park. And I found that, I, I think now we have like 32 independent republics each fighting their own corner and not wanting to give anything. And it's difficult to get decisions made in that arena. And one example of that, Ger, is whenever the decision was brought in that you could have a sponsor on the back of your jersey, I felt that that was a great opportunity for us to bring in genuine equality. And instead of allowing each county to make a deal with an individual sponsor, which would discriminate against the Division 3 and Division 4 teams, against the Division 1 and Division 2 teams, because if you're a Division 1 team, you can very, very easily get a sponsor. And I, I found this... Look, Arma have been in Division 3 during my time as an executive, and now we're in Division 1. When you're in Division 3, you're scraping for sponsors. When you're in Division 1, you don't have sponsors, you have, you have uh, commercial partners. And it's a completely different relationship and a completely different capacity to get sponsorship. So what I was arguing was that the GA ourselves should use all of our corporate ability to get one sponsor, put it on every jersey. I mean, you could get millions for that. Every county jersey in Ireland, hurling and football, would have that sponsor on the back of it. And give the money out on a sliding scale, Division 3, Division 4 first, followed by up Division 1, which would be, you know, dealing with the reality that there is no way that Leitrim has the same capacity to get sponsorship as Armagh or Mayo or, or, or Dublin. So it didn't even get a seconder. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's the, and so that's what I'm worried about here is that you, you can have a, a brilliant vision for where the organisation should go, but that actually the president isn't the role in which you're going to be able to... Now, if you say that this time... As the president, you're definitely going to get a seconder because somebody will be like, okay, I need to, I need to keep in with the president, and that's just the real politic of it. I, I guess I'm wondering, is there any possibility that you get this job and find it frustrating about how quickly or otherwise you're able to implement the vision that you have? Well, uh, yeah, I think that there is a number of answers to that. If I, I should have been cannier with that motion, I should have had all of the division three, division four uh, counties on my side. I should have rung them all. That's the way it happens. That's the way you get change. You work very, very hard at it, and then you go, you know, to to to, to some of the other other smaller counties and go to people who you know in Central Council and say this is the right thing to do and have everybody prepared for it. So I may be being a wee bit unfair on Central Council. 
when people think about and, and uh, somebody, I think it was John Costler in Dublin said this to me, he said like, what change really can the President make? Like you're saying you're going to do all these things, but can the President really change? Well I think you can try your best to change the culture of a lot of how we do things. You have only three years to do things. You're also bound by a strategic plan that goes until 2026 right. and it is a very effective plan but there's things I would like to add to it but the President of the GA doesn't have like Donald Trump the ability to bring in an executive order or anything like that. You are you, but what you have to do is to gain consensus at the meeting and to try and bring people around to your vision because you have to be responsible and you have to be a safe pair of hands. Uh, Jonathan, you mentioned Donald Trump there. We're all fascinated by the, by the red and the blue and the geography when a, when a US presidential election comes around. You have to keep the Nordies out was a phrase that, that kind of came up in, the, I think it was the last uh, election for, for GA president. Is, is that an attitude that still prevails? Is, is it tougher for, for someone like yourself to, to get the top job? Well, the last president from the north was Peter Quinn uh, he was in the 90s and the one prior to that was um, Paddy McFlynn and he went three times to get it but I certainly won't be going three times <laughs> the interesting thing is I, I don't subscribe to that at all because some of the best friends I have in the GA are from the deepest south um, this time unlike the last time I have a team working for me working very very hard and I, I haven't discovered that certainly not to my face nobody has said that but I will say this when you're a GA presidential candidate in the North, you get asked questions that you don't get asked if you're from the South, just by the fact that in the North, in the South, for example, our Irish culture, our flag, our anthem, all of those things are rational, logical things we have as patriots and we love our country, and the GA is part of that expression of our Irish identity. In the North, where all of this is contested and toxic, um, you have to be very, very careful how you deal with all of those questions and how we as the GA present ourselves because one of our values is inclusion and you can't say that you're inclusive if you are not inclusive and that involves being non-controversial while at the same time maintaining the things which mean an awful lot to all of us. Very difficult threading the eye of a needle in the middle of a storm. It is, but the, the GA is very well led in the north, in Ulster, and it's the Ulster GA who do it. Kieran McLaughlin is the president. Uh, Brian McAvoy is the is the CEO. They have a, a remarkable and extraordinary capacity to keep us out of that political uh, maelstrom, and they do it really well. The GA is seen as being a very responsible organisation, very uncontroversial. We stay out of the politics, even when sometimes it affects us. We make a decision, no, we might be better stepping back and working in the background. And there are things, for example, with regard to the Irish Language Act, things which are very important to us in the GA, important to me, that we have stayed out of because we feel that it is more important to be involved in reconciliation than and controversy. While Stormont existed uh, there was actually somebody whose job it was to lobby Stormont on behalf of the GA and it's interesting that that's something that you brought up that the, the GA could play a more active and proactive role in terms of influencing government policy and I just, would that in, in your vision for that, is that is that one of the roles of the president? Is it one of the roles of the executive? Do you think that there should be an, a, an appointee whose job it is to lobby on behalf of the GA? Yeah, that's a good point you make, Gerard. Also, GA, you should actually have a member of staff who went and sat in Stormont every day and listened to every debate and was there and would have taken notes and was able then to influence in the background in the lobbies. And I think that in the GA, because we occupy this extremely central place in the, the parochial nature of Ireland in every single parish, um, we 
we really are in a very strong position. And sometimes I don't think we use that enough to our advantage. For example, there's a very exciting and very challenging era coming up for us with full integration with the, with the ladies' games. And in our club, we, we have a full integration from the very beginning. I don't understand how you could even run a club by not being fully integrated. And we have to be very careful how we do that. But if we are going to do that, we'll be dividing our assets into three. There will be three organisations will become one. And I think that's a good op- opportunity for us to make a very strong claim that, look, our, our assets are now very, very stretched, uh, particularly this time of year, whenever you know we, you need lights to train on. Uh, and I think it's a good time for us to say now that we need a massive injection of, ca- of, of cash to put field, an extra field, maybe 5G field, into every single parish in Ireland with floodlights on it that we could use to train all of our teams. And I think it's a, if you considered in 1884 the GA was founded, 1883 Conway Nagelga was founded, the GA has done a remarkable job in keeping our games to the to the level that they are at, considering what is all around us in terms of rugby and soccer and all of the other sports. GA is still very, very much the game of Ireland. And if you think about it, 140 years on from our founding, the biggest problem we have is we don't have enough fields for the people who want to play our games, male and female. And that's a great problem to have, but it requires a solution. What, what is the solution? More well, purchase, more yeah, money, investment yeah, yeah. from and I, I, You know, as chair of the G, of, of the Ulster GA Club Planning Infrastructure Committee, like last night, for example, we were looking at a club, Pomeroy, who are who are you know the, every club who has to who has to who's doing a major development comes to us because we are a trustee signature on any loan that that that, that is made. Um, the, the ability of clubs to fundraise and to create their own resources, many of whom are nothing even to do with the core values of the GA. For example, walking tracks now cost about 20000 There's nothing in any of the GA rule that says that we should do that. But now we have a commitment to health and well-being. And that is a commitment that has been handed down to us by a government who have asked us to take on that on their behalf. And clubs are doing it. So I think it's a good thing, though, because it means that people who might not necessarily be associated with the club are coming and using the facilities and then finding themselves predisposed to coming to matches. And it, and it broadens the, the scope of the people who consider themselves members. It does, as does things like score, which brings in a lot of people who are not footballers or hurlers, and they can, you know, show their the dancing, singing, all of those things. And the G is really, really good at that. And what I'm saying is that. I think it was Eamon Dunphy who said that if, and I mean, Eamon Dunphy wouldn't put him down as a GA man. If the, if the government emptied all of its exchequer into the GA's purse, it still couldn't pay the GA for what we have done in terms of putting a sporting infrastructure free of charge throughout Ireland. And I know that there would be people listening to this and say, hang on, we should put that money into, into health rather than, but no, if you put it into sporting infrastructure and put it into the GA, the GA, because of our sense of place and our love of place, give people purpose. Because a human being needs a purpose and the GA does that because it creates the sense of community and if you have people walking, playing, doing all of the things that you do in a community, suddenly then they are healthier and I think preventative expenditure is much better than, than or, or just as good as spending it whenever people get sick. Uh, Jonathan, the GA being proactive on certain things is something that, that seems to crop up a lot. Um, like I was, I was at the Croke Park for the, the uh, President's or the Director General's report recently where they're talking about the Glen. Kilmacud situation and could the GA have intervened a little bit sooner, maybe the day or day after the game, ordered a replay and look, the argument was made by the GN, I know it might be made by yourself as well, that if they intervene there, they have to intervene in, in, in junior games all across the country. Would you like to see the GA be, be more proactive in situations like that going forward, that there could maybe be an intervention as opposed to someone, someone like it, Glenn, having to make a decision on their own accord? I would say that if, if all of that happened again, 
the Central Competitions Control Committee could not do one thing any differently. Not one thing. And and the reason for that is that you cannot intervene in the All-Ireland Final because that rule exists, yes, for the All-Ireland Final, but also for Silver Ridge P. Mullaban next week in the under-13s. Could that be changed, though? No, it can, well, in all of the years that I have been involved in the GAA, A, nobody has ever brought it to Congress to change it, and B, it's never going to be brought. Am I, am I mis- misreading the rule? Because the, the second part of, of Rule 644 actually says that on investigation... The particularly in the, in the um, 16th manner or 17th manner or whatever, on investigation that there can be an intervention. So that rule does exist for the under-14s and yes. Mullaban, and it does exist in the All-Ireland Final. It's just that we have, as an organisation, chosen not to use this rule, but it's there. Yeah, it's, but, but this is the important point. If you listen to what Maliki Work said straight after the game, whenever it was pointed out to them it was 16 men, he said, well, that's really irrelevant, we're not going to pursue that. And that is 90% of the case, particularly in a final, and there's a cup given out, you say, right? it's over. Yeah, it's very disappointing. It shouldn't have happened, but we're not going to pursue it. So if you had an investigating committee, for example, and it said that the committee will view television footage to decide if this was true or whatever, and they did, and then they said the game's going to be replayed, you could have a situation where they would say, no, we weren't happy enough with this result. We're not going to replay it. And then you're into a real mess. I think if there was anything different we could have done, we, we probably could have come out and explained our situation a bit better. Because the GA rules might be a lot of thing, things, but they are fair. They well, are very, very fair, the rule, and they are fair the rule, to everybody. The rule does say, on an inquiry by the committee in charge, and the committee in charge is obviously... Yes, but yeah. that is on an inquiry after an objection has been made. No, it, it, no, it says... It, it, I mean, I think that's an interpretation because there's a full stop. Penalties, unapproven objection, award of game to the opposing team or replay or fine, depending on the circumstances, full stop. And then separately, on an inquiry by the committee in charge, forfeiture of game without award of game to the opposing team or replay or fine, depending on the circumstances. Look, there's no point... No, as somebody who has been through this at my club, I can tell you, because this came up actually in an under-13 league semi-final between us and I'd say the club recently where we had to make the objection, even though there were people there watching. And we were told, we, you know, people from the RMAN CCC, we were told, no, you have to make the objection. And we did make the objection. And after we make the objection, the inquiry happens. But the objection has to happen first. But... In in the rule, it doesn't look like that. Yeah, like but the way it's written and the way it's crafted, I, yeah. I think there's, there's two things: there's precedent, yes. right, and then there's also what everybody wanted to happen. I think under under these rules, it would have been possible for the organisation committee to say, citing on an inquiry by the committee in charge, we're the committee in charge, we've seen the video evidence, and we've decided that there's something. I think there's room for that. Yeah, and look, now there's one difficulty there with that. If that's in the referee's report, yes. If it's not in the referee's report, you can't go you can't go re-refereeing the game. Because if you're going to take those words on an inquiry, it means then that there is a precedent that you can inquire into everything that was made. So if there was a lift ball in the square in the last five minutes, you can equally... Re- yeah, it is, it, is, it is in the rules, though. There, there was... I, look, again, yeah, yeah, I don't want yeah. to get bogged down. I do think that there was a mechanism there for them to access, but that there was a decision made that this opens up a can of worms. And I actually think sometimes can of worms is no harm for us to... So let's, let's, let's see what's at the bottom of the can. Yeah, but can of worms means then that every single county and unit... I mean, I've sat on the Disputes Resolution Authority, the DRA, for the last 20 years. I've seen everything. I sat on Ulster Hearings Committee. I've seen everything. And if you were to ask me, is there anything about the GA that I don't like... Well, I was going to say. Right. It's, it, because the GA is a replication of Irish society, 
there are good and bad in Irish society. Okay? It, it's, so it's a, it reflects it, yeah. the good and it reflects the bad. And the bad is that if you look at, for example, Roy Keane getting the yellow card in the European semi final, and, you know, there wasn't one Irish commentator said, oh, yeah, man, you're not going to try and appeal that. But in the GA, that's in our culture. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, we'll appeal that. We, we'll, and there's always, the GA rules are almost set up to allow for that to happen because, as, as, as Donald Ogg said one time, there's always another throw of the dice. If you fail here, you can go into hearings, you can go into the DRA, you can go into Ulster hearings. And I just don't like that culture where, you know, people will say, yeah, he, he got sent off, he hit a man there. He needs, he needs to learn his lesson. He needs to get a month. He needs to take that month and he needs to reflect on it. It's not, it's, how can we get them off? And, and I, I don't like that. And that's, that's not specific to GA. That's what our society is like. We, well, uh, we, 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 we try and bend the rules. Another element of that, uh, of the GA, that some people don't like is the reticence to ch- towards change. Like, uh, really what should come out of the Glenkill-McCud situation is change, maybe in terms of the substitutions or how that uh, operation happens. It's been suggested that soccer does it well. Player comes off, player comes on. It's all very mechanical. We know what happens. In the GA, it's just a bit more flaky. But... It, it, do you feel that there's reticence towards change in the GA at the minute, that, that maybe there should be more... Like, it, it should have been changed already. There should have been a point made that the substitutions is completely changed because of what happened. Yeah, well, I, I can't imagine another time in all of the times we've been watching GA games that this has happened in a, in, in a game like this. But here's, here's, here's the way it happens, right, in, in GA matches. And we're all, we've all been at thousands of matches and we know the way it works. So in a very, very close match, it comes to about the 59th, the 60th minute, into the 70th minute, and then everything becomes frenetic. Every move you could get a score. Every, you're expecting, like Armagh v Mayo there a couple of weeks ago, Armagh got five scores in the last 10 minutes. There was more football played in the last five minutes than there was in the first 65 minutes. And I've spoken to people, I've actually spoken yesterday to somebody from the Central Competition Control Committee who said that we should probably bring in a rule that once the 70th minute comes, you can't make any more substitutions. Now, when I was chair of the Standing Committee of Playing Rules, we brought in a rule because we felt that a lot of substitutions were made just to waste time, that there's an extra half a minute put on for every substitution. So a lot of teams don't realise that, you know, the referee's going to put on an extra half a minute for this. So perhaps if we did, I'm not saying we should, but a certain something to consider, we always look at a solution-based approach that perhaps if you brought in that rule in the 70th minute after that, for the last five minutes, let's say, of extra time, no substitutions can be made. The only trouble then is if somebody gets legitimately injured yeah, and you end up with 13 men on the pitch and somebody has 15 and because they were injured even though they have not used all yeah, stuff. And you know, Jerry, you say unless unless you get legitimately injured or unless it's a head injury, we all know what happens. Somebody goes down. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. I guess the, if, if the rule of the 30 seconds was applied and was everybody just expected eight or nine minutes of injury time, then that might cure it. The World Cup, they, yes, they managed yeah. to do that very well. But um, anyway, look, we, we got a bit sidetracked there, but I think you, you've covered most of the, the key points on, on your agenda for this when do you when is the actual moment that you'll find out is well it's friday uh, i think th- i think the vote is at 7 p.m we'll know everything at nine there'll be a lot of people following it on social media uh, a lot of people in my club want to come down to it they did the last time surprised me it looked around and there was all these blue and yellow it was a busload the last time uh, was a busload came down um and i wasn't expecting it couldn't believe it when i saw it i think they were expecting me to win uh, and 
though if somebody said one of the ladies when we packed the club she says yeah we weren't that disappointed we got to meet Marty Morrissey he's <laughs> <laughs> it, canvassing for number twos you, 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 can have, is, you obviously canvass yeah. for number ones but number twos the number twos are so important and I, I made that mistake the last time I, I was a novice and I, I thought uh, just why not go for the number one but it, it, remember people are very provincially loyal so you'll go for the man in your province and the last time then of course we had Larry who was overseas and he had the overseas vote and it's it's difficult to capture that vote unless you are over and back all the time I have been you know I've been over at the Asian Games I would spend a good bit of time in England at, at, you know at, at their GAA go to a lot of functions over there you know I've been I've played in America myself but you can never really capture the challenges so yesterday for example on the week of Congress I arrived yesterday you meet the overseas delegations as they're coming over. So yesterday I met Canada, I met Asia. Uh, today I meet North America and then I'll meet the rest of them. And you ignore those units at your parallel because every one of those have their own uh, challenges and their own opportunities. They're all at a different stage in their con- continuum of development. And, and I think there is sometimes a, an attitude, oh, yeah, you're doing great work, but you know, don't be bothering us. And I, yeah. I think the overseas are a crucial part because if you have a child who's going abroad to work and you're, you're worried about them getting on the plane, in nine times out of ten, they'll ring you up a few days and they say, we'll tell you there's a GA club and we've, we have met ten or twelve people and we're going to train. And suddenly you feel, my child is safe. And yeah. it happened to my, our own daughter, Megan, when she went to work in Qatar and Doha and look, her mummy was just up the walls and the following night no no of Oryx Naharan <laughs> a GA club in Doha right. and they were shooting around all of the countries around playing games and, and that's their social scene I hope she was canvassing for you in Doha as well uh, she's we- back home she's married to D. O'Keefe who plays <laughs> uh, midfield for Wexford and uh, that's that, that's a whole different story well there'll be good genes there Charlie we wish you the very best of luck we did offer your uh, rivals the opportunity as well but unfortunately the time hasn't worked out for them so thanks very much for making time to come into us today and we wish you the very best of luck. Thank you very much, Jared. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.